Thanks for listening to the Grains and Grace podcast today. If you enjoy listening to the show, please support us by leaving us a five-star review, like and follow us on Facebook, and support us on Patreon for as little as $1 a month. Check out the description in this episode for all the links. Now, enjoy the show. Grace Nation, it's Ryan and John back. Did you miss us? Uh, I missed you. I missed you, John. Something they don't tell you about in a podcast school is that sometimes life gets very difficult and recording's not always easy to <laughs> right. do. And that's why we put our heads together and we've come up with a new plan so that we can make sure you get your nutrition every week. It's nutrition. I like your daily dose of grains <laughs> yeah. and grace. Yeah. Um, we've got things in the works. So while you haven't uh, seen us for, has it been two weeks since been we had? Two us? weeks. Oh, two man. Weeks. Um, it's worth it. Our yeah. little grains and grace babies. We got something coming. Wait, we haven't quit. We've got more coming. We're actually expanding. You, the YouTube channel it will be happening. It will be happening very soon. Now, uh, we 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 figured out how we're gonna video and, and do everything, and this will afford us the opportunity to start doing interviews as well, and, and, and other uh, different kinds of content too that we've been discussing. Yes. So we don't want to spoil all that now, but uh, good things coming. Things are growing, and uh, we love that you guys are listening to us, guys and gals. Speaking of people listening to us, we have people. Well, we do have people listening to us. That is happening. (laughs) And uh, we've got uh, one person in particular who we mentioned from, who comes from the great state of Minnesota. Minnesota. Did you know? Now, I don't know. Is that how they say it? Minnesota? Minnesota? In the northern parts, yeah. Yeah. No, everyone in Minnesota talks like a caricature. Yes. Yes, so we're going (laughs) to stick by that right now. (laughs) But, um... I, I feel like maybe we corrected ourselves, but remember when we were having the moose drool, John? Yeah. Um, I think we, I feel like we corrected and said it was Montana, but one of the feedback notes that I got was that we screwed up and said that moose drool was from Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah. So maybe we did, maybe we didn't, um, but they wanted to make sure that we knew moose drool, not Minnesota, and they wanted us to experience actual oh. good Minnesota beers. Isn't Ham's from Minnesota? I don't want to screw up and say again if that's the case. <laughs> no, I don't think it is. <laughs> but lo and behold, a couple weeks ago, I was out running some errands, and Kate, my wife, sends me a text message saying that we had a, a little delivery, a little gift dropped off. A little stork dropped off? Yeah, Pastor John delivered a 12-pack of <laughs> beer that a good Lutheran from... from <laughs> That actually comes from Minnesota, and the so oh. for the next four episodes, where we have four different Minnesota beers that we can start working our way through. Oh wow, this this looks nice. Yeah, so um, I'm actually trying to find out where the brewery name is at. It's, I think it's here. called Shells Limited Batch. Shells, Shells Brewery. Well, we're gonna find out if this is Shells or Shill. Yep, it's a Shills sh- Shells. <laughs> shells. But um, I there's a whole bunch of different ones in there, okay. but I thought this was a fun one. We haven't done a Scotch Ale. Do you know much about Scotch Ales? I, I've never had a Scotch Ale in my life. I can assume maybe, I wonder if it's fermented or something in the... Uh, in the uh... 
Well, there's yeah. You're on the right path. There's two different ways they do it. Sometimes they take like the little wood chunks from um, scotch, like scotch whiskey right. barrels, right? And they put it in. And sometimes they barrel it into the actual barrels, but it gets a little bit of that scotch, scotch whiskey whiskey flavor. Cool. Brought into the beer. So this one is a scotch ale from Shells. It says limited batch, which makes me feel very. It. Re- this is like exclusive. a really nice can, by the way. It is. It looks very fancy. It's kind of. I, white yeah. and gold and now and the, so this is what concerns me. Uh-huh. Number one, it's from Minnesota. Yeah, well that yeah, that that's be concerning. concerning to start with. Uh because the Vikings are also from Minnesota and you know Well they have moments of greatness. Um, Out of the four pack, it could be like their season. There could be like yeah. a lot of great things coming, but maybe that last beer we have will just be right. really disappointing to us. I, you know, I think wasn't Mary Tyler Moore recorded in Minnesota? Wasn't she in St. Paul's? Yeah, is that where she threw her hat up in the air? Yeah. Like downtown I think Minneapolis? That's, okay. Yeah. So that's an okay show. Yeah. That's you a know? great show, actually. But uh, what else comes from Minnesota that's good? Cheese? That's more I think Wisconsin. that's Wisconsin. Um, Mall of America? I don't know if that's good for We America. were there for a national youth gathering. I should be able to rattle these things <laughs> off in no time. What did we do? I saw lumberjacks. I think there might be some lumberjacking going on okay, in okay. Minnesota. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. All right. I think All they right. like their fried foods. I well... Think- we're going to crack let's, into this. Let's see what this thing tastes like. John's first Scotch Ale. it's not all packaging. It's good. I like it. I like it. I will say, I've had Scotch Ales where the Scotch flavor has been more pronounced. I think it was a little bit, it wasn't, it didn't spend as much time getting the uh, barreling or the... Right. And it kind of tastes like... Like I've been drinking all night or something. <laughs> That's the taste in my mouth. <laughs> well, John, we didn't talk. I mean, you did lead worship this morning, so I assume that you didn't spend a whole no, day on a bender. No, 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 no. I'm not saying I did. I'm saying that's the taste it gives off. <laughs> It's that good would, though. I like it. That would be a. It wouldn't be amazing. Don't do this. But I'm just picturing if you were just so keyed in musically that you could just wander up on the stage after a whole night of debauchery and suddenly just click in and just still come out real well and well back in my rock and roll days oh yeah well that's rock and roll i did do that (laughs) but uh yeah no this is good i mean i i've never had a scotch ale before so Mm -hmm. i'm tasting the i can taste scotch though i can taste it yeah I did. And, uh, it's good. I like it. Don't take this as a negative review of this uh, brewery because we have three more coming. But yeah, this particular one that we chose, it's not a bad beer at all. It's very tasty and enjoyable. It's not the best example of a Scotch ale for me to give yeah. to you for your first one. It's strong. It is. It's a it's a seven percent alcohol by volume. Yeah. So it's a it's a beer and a half, as I like to call it. Yeah, it's a meal. Uh-huh. I really wish I wouldn't have eaten all that chili before oh we... Oh, gosh. My parents had a uh, a soup spectacular after church. We were eating chicken noodle and chili, chili. and bean soup. Uh, and we're and your dad insisted we try all three. I did. So I tried all three. <laughs> I've learned from past experience, you find one soup and you commit to that soup and you go with that soup. You don't... <laughs> You don't mix soups. N- never triple or quadruple soup, people. That's the lesson we're teaching you today. So anyway, we've got other things to I don't know teach, learn together as a uh, as a community. So um, 
I'm getting a notice on the computer. We're just going to exit out of that. It couldn't have been important. <laughs> <laughs> We're still recording, but we are going to continue down the book of Romans. Yeah, I think we left off with you calling me a heretic. It was a heretic, and we mm-hmm. um, we asked for you, the community, <laughs> to tell us if Jesus was the horse or the lantern. Uh, like, I don't know. I think we got lost in the analogies, but... Uh, sounds like us, or but... Um, yeah, so... But but I think so. But Romans was going through, um, and uh, chapter two um, was saying was talking about morality, yeah. requirements of the law written on our hearts, and uh, God, you know. Um, let's see what else. A little bit of judgment in there about passing judgment. Yes, passing judgment things. and and everything like that. So. But to me, 16 kind of ended it um, because it seems like 17, he's almost turning to another subject here. Well, yeah. And I mean, it's still, I guess I see how it kind of connects what he's doing because he was talking about the law and the law is written on people's hearts. and But it's also, you know, God's also given us. So we have special revelation. We have general revelation. And so God worked through the nation of Israel and gave them, you know, Ten Commandments and specifically wanted to work with, through those people up till the time of the New Covenant, mm-hmm. uh, which is Christ, and people coming under that covenant. But uh, And I think that a part of that, too, is while Israel had the commandments, you know, the way I understood chapter 2, chapter 1, chapter 2, is that God has still worked in the world, revealing himself writing his commandments on people's hearts yeah and so that all are without excuse mm-hmm. to respond to that light yep that's all i was trying to say i can fully agree with you on that um i'm just noticing the beginning because we talked about how there's structure to romans and uh-huh. in the earlier parts he's sort of painting with a broad brush talking about everyone and he gets really specific, so I think you're right when you say there's a little bit of a tonal shift in the writing here, which makes it a good it, spot. It does seem like it turns. He goes, now you. So it sounds yes. like a transition phase right there. Well, this is the stuff I've been talking about in this grand right. scheme. And now let's get down to it. Now you, let's get down you to call tax yourself and a Jew. Yeah. Um, which I don't, but the people back then may have. Well, but I think, I think I'm going to make a case based on eventually what Paul says is that you should, I mean, this might, some people might find this offensive, but I don't, it's not trying to be offensive because of what Paul's context is. Um, and that I think ultimately he's trying to show that those who are Jews, um, and I don't want to, I, I, he's going to say those who are true Jews, that's the no Scotsman fallacy, oh. but <laughs> those, are, those who are true Jews are ones who are circumcised of the heart, are ones that, you know, uh, aren't in the new covenant. Yeah. And so, in a way, yeah, you are a Jew. I'm a Jew. Right? We're all descendants in some way. Yeah. So, and that's who Israel is. Is mm-hmm. is Israel, even though now we, we yes, we have a nation of Israel, uh, of and they're primarily made up of ethnic Jews. What Paul's saying here is, the new covenant, this change, this is, it's not... God working with the nation anymore, but the Israel is the church. Yeah, something different's happening right yeah. now. It's not the and, same. And so those who belong to this spiritual Israel, the church, mm-hmm. are 
the Jews. You almost can't blame the people back then for having so much confusion because, I mean, for us, we have all this history of looking back on it. Yes. This was a huge shift in the thinking for it these people a, a, and followers of the, the one true God at the time. It was a massive shift. It, it was a massive shift. I, and I made this case last time, show, I think it was probably easier for Greeks, for the, for the Greeks or the, or the, the pagans, um, to adopt mm-hmm. Christianity than maybe for some of the Jews to adopt because it was such a massive shift in thinking mm-hmm. and, 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 and changing things like suddenly like, you know, it's okay to eat pork. What? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's suddenly, suddenly Gentiles are welcome into this thing and it's not based on this nation or this temple, this temple right here. It's that Christ is the temple that, or, you know, the, the temple of God and and Christ's sacrifice as the one final sacrifice. I mean, it was a massive shift in thinking. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, for people back then today, I mean, people who've never heard about God at all, there can be a lot to learn, but you didn't have all this additional law and stuff beforehand. And then you're trying to mix something else in yeah. with it. It's all very, yeah, very, very confusing. I'm still confused by it all today. Well, let's, I think this is going to open it up. So let's just, yeah. let's say we get into this. So uh, we already said now you, if you call yourself a Jew, for those reading at home, we're starting uh, chapter 2, verse 17. Um, Now you, if you call yourself a Jew, if you rely on the law and boast in God, which would have been happening at the time, because the law was what they had, um, if you know his will and approve of what is superior because you are instructed by the law, if you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind a light for those who are in the dark, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of little children, because you have in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth. You then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? That's not a bad place right. to stop. Yeah. Yeah. Because that was a big chunk, but it all it was a big went chunk. together. But he's, he's setting them up, and it goes and it goes back to what he was saying earlier about, you know, you're, you're without excuse when he... When we're judging others, you know, for things they're doing, mm-hmm. and then and then he says earlier, you know, so so are you, you know, it's the kindness of God that leads people to our patience, you know, and and uh, everything you're accusing these people of doing, you do you do yourself, mm-hmm. and you know, we talked about that. Paul's writing to a lots of lots of Jews as well as, that's in this church, and uh, so they're boasting in the idea that they're also Jews. So they're descendants of this whole thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and so obviously based on what Paul's saying here, they obviously were taking pretty big pride in their Jewish ethnic background. Well, yeah. Cause he's saying these words the way they are for a reason. If you are convinced that you're a guide for the blind, he didn't pull those words out willy nilly. That would have been the attitude yes. of them at the time that, we are the only guide to these blind people. We are the only light to these people who are in darkness right now. We're the only ones who can instruct these foolish people who don't understand. So if, that's a pretty bold statement to make. And to believe that, you got to kind of check yourself at the same time. Yeah. And then he's just calling them to the carpet here. I mean, if you go from 21 and he says, do you teach, do you, who teach others, do you not teach yourself? So then he goes on to say, you who preach against stealing, do you not steal? Or do you steal? You who say that people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? 
You who are of our idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. I think, you know, a lot of that is a really interesting set of scriptures too because it really calls us all into question, even as Christians, right? Because we can sit there and talk about, you know, let's say let's say stealing, you know. Uh, we, we can all talk about how wrong it is to steal, you know. But, let's, you know, at the same time, there can be business owners out there, you know, that are like, are you paying your workers right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, are you taking care of them? Or are you stealing what they're creating, the, the values and the wealth that they're creating? Are you just keeping it all for yourself, you know? Or, or oh, you're not supposed to, you know, commit adultery. But are you are you thinking upon that woman with lust, mm-hmm. you know? Because Jesus, Jesus says a similar thing, right? He, he says, you know, um, if you so much as look on a woman in lust, you've, you've committed adultery in your heart, you know? Or if you've got anger and thoughts of murder in your head about a guy, even if you haven't actually done the action, in your mind, you have, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, and sin starts there, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think Paul's kind of calling that out and just saying, you think you're so great because maybe you're outwardly, mm-hmm. you know, following the law, but are you really inwardly? And this goes back to what he was saying earlier about one of the heart, the repentance of the heart, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, something that just came to mind with this, and let me know what you think about this. Do you think he's telling these people, well, you, you think he's saying, well, I know you committed adultery. I know you're stealing. I know you're robbing temples that you shouldn't be these teachers. Or is he just having a moment of humility? And I'll tell you the reason I thought of it. That's a good question. When I first started working with the youth in our church way, way, way back when, I remember going to a uh, like leadership training conference. Right. And it was not just a Lutheran denomination-based one. It was a multi-non-denominational type one. And me and one other adult leader in our DCE at the time, Director of Christian Education, went to it. And I was still smoking cigarettes at the time back then. Don't do it, audience. But I'm um, just saying where I was at this point. Right. And I remember me and another adult leader went out and had a cigarette. And all the other leaders came over like, your church lets you do that? And I'm like, well, no, they don't let us do this. That's why we walked over here. No one's not letting us. And we would talk to other youth leaders who said, well, we have to sign contracts. We can't do this. We can't do that. We can't. Yeah. Like they had to prove that they didn't do it all because they had to be proven as good leaders and sometimes i wonder if reading that is like acknowledgement hmm. that if you're going to be someone who is teaching that you should always well i do think i do think that if you're going to take on the role of, of leadership i mean i i don't i don't subscribe to a lot of what uh, some of those kind of churches like you experienced yeah um i wouldn't subscribe to a lot of that sort of sign a contract. And, but I think there is something to be said about um, leaders need to have a certain standard mm-hmm. that they need to uphold. Um, and I think Paul talks about that in Timothy. Is it first Timothy, Timothy, second Timothy, it's probably both and a couple well, other places. First Timothy, more but there's than some, second. yeah, there's some things about, you know, for, for elders or bishops or mm-hmm. le- leadership positions like that. Yeah. It's not saying like, look, everybody's got to, be like this or this, this or that, but it's just this, there's a maturity that happens. Like 
when you're a Christian, you go through a process of growing. Mm-hmm. And eventually you get to a place where you've really grown. And, and these are things that, you know, come more natural for you to be, to be a, that sort of above reproach. And, and we, as people, should recognize that sort of leadership mm-hmm. and, and, and follow along. But the leader does need to provide, yeah. provide some leader, some, you know, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't want a guy leading me. That's a, that's a drunk yeah, a-hole, exactly. you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like, I can be a drunk a-hole. That's easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not an example for me. I think the where it came from is that in some cultures, like the if you're somewhere, you almost have to be superhuman in your faith or something that's not truly attainable. Like, yeah, if you're going to be in a leadership, an elder role, a teaching role, definitely you should have your act together a bit more. But sometimes they go overboard and like you have to be above reproach at all times. I mean, yeah, Paul talks to Timothy about leaders should be above reproach, but well, we're I, all going to fall to sin, aren't we? Because well, Yeah, leaders. I think so. And I think so. And you have to be realistic about that. But I think, I think the, 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 you know, having a higher standard when you're a leader comes from the fact that you're going to, if you're a preacher, for instance, a pastor, you know, people are submitting to you in a certain way. They're submitting to your authority in a mm-hmm. certain way and, and your counsel. And so there should be an expectation like, hey, if you're going to get on the pulpit and preach and tell me, because I need to hear, you know, what's sin? What, what does God's grace look like? All these things, you know, you better be someone that's got that, whatever that thing is you're talking about today, that you've at least got some of that figured out. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like you know, if I don't need a thief up there telling me don't don't steal. Not a, like a brand new Christian <laughs> who's just starting to get yeah. their teeth, you know, just start to figure out what's right. going on with all right. this. Yeah. I think since, the reason, I think it's a long path I'm taking there, but in some ways I don't want this, I can't read this in a way that they have to act or put up a front because I've seen so much negative things come from people who are in leadership positions in the church today who have to act by and then they're always the ones you see on TV as we've talked about in past ones that come they're so adamant that they can't show any signs of weakness that I think they hide it to themselves and keep it there and it almost makes situations worse. When it does, yeah. Like, they don't want to admit um, weakness, and they'd be better off going to their mm-hmm. whatever, however their church is, is situated, but their board of elders or whatever it is, saying, hey, I need to take a sabbatical. I'm struggling with this mm-hmm. or that, and get some counseling for themselves. So I think that's absolutely... It's like the contract People idea. will respect that more mm-hmm. as a leader, you know, than you trying to take care of it yourself. You're hiding it, and you're still going up there and preaching, and or what have you, or being in an elder, elder yeah. position. Well, the contract idea is like it's zero tolerance, and so you people are afraid if they like serving God, even in a small way, if there's something that might not in line with that, they'll just keep ignoring it until it becomes something big. If they're afraid that to go to talk to someone for the small stuff, and right. then it just. You're afraid to lose that. Yeah, and I think I think sometimes those contract things they kind of add to the word of God things that aren't there. Oh, without a doubt. You know, so I get. I mean, and I get like a church says there's churches that they don't want their people that work there using tobacco. That's fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's I respect that. That's and you know they should have the right to have that as a 
you know, hiring practice. We want people to live this kind of life and be these kind of people, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, th- don't dare say you got that from the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Don't. Uh-huh. Then you're adding. Then you're adding to the Bible and to the law and what God expects. Well, it's the things that aren't there. We're not supposed to do that. I mean, well, tobacco is obviously gross, but some there are like, we don't even want our leaders to even have a drink outside. I'm like, well, I'm not around anyone doing anything. I'm not doing anything outside. Like I, like you're saying, adding things that's not actually yeah, in the Yeah, you Bible. can't watch rated R movies. I've heard this one. It's like, yeah. oh, so I can't watch Passion of the Christ? I mean, you, you know what I'm saying? I Yeah, that stuff's stupid. And it's and, and to me, it's it's legalistic. I grew up around that a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so... You know, obviously, when I hit a certain age, I, like, rebelled mm-hmm. big time, you know, because I just, there was no logic to it, you know. And reading the Bible for 20-something years now and the things that I've learned, I mean, there's so many rules that I had as a growing up in the church I grew up in. And there's no biblical basis for it. Now, there's biblical basis for lots of other things. Mm-hmm. But, for instance, you know, here's a, here's a perfect example they would take uh, a scripture like, um, you, don't you know your your body is the uh, temple of the Holy Spirit? Do not destroy it. Mm-hmm. Well, number one, the context is talking about not hooking up with prostitutes uh-huh. <laughs> because your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. Uh, so we're all, okay, they're already taking it out of context. But then they would take it and they would say, see, and that's why you're not supposed to smoke. In the meantime, the the person telling me this would be an overweight person. Nothing, And I'm not harping on people that are overweight, uh-huh. but I'm saying, hey, if my body's a temple of spirit and I'm not supposed to smoke, uh, then isn't your body also a temple of the Holy Spirit and you need to put the donut down? Mm-hmm. You know, it's it was a double standard, but they do it with a straight face. Yeah. Look you straight in the face. And so I grew up with a lot of that and, and I began to see, well, okay, you're taking this out of context, you know, or uh, you're stretching this mm-hmm. to mean way too much. You know, it's been stretched to tattoos and piercings. And oh, all yeah, the tattoos, stuff the piercings, you know, and, and yeah. So I, I just I think that the contract thing or some of the things that people do is just you're adding to scripture. Mm. You know, the qualifications for what is an elder and a bishop is right there in scripture. That's all you need right there. Well, we don't need to add to it. This conversation fell perfectly into my trap because now as we go back to here, okay. as we're reading Paul's writings, trap. I think we not trap. You just actually follow the breadcrumbs it's not a, there's a prize at the end there's not i'm not going to cook you and <laughs> um but if he's saying i don't think he's giving instructions he's still trying to enlighten the reader to think outside themselves he's not saying if you are a guide for the blind or in search of the fool well he's saying i mean you, you're ta- you're talking a big game uh-huh. you call yourself a guide for the blind yeah and it would be like it, i mean we do this with people all the time, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like it's like you call yourself a, a football player or yeah. we'll go out and throw the ball. Or... Well, and as you said, in Timothy, Paul gives some very specific instructions to church leadership and organization because that was right. the purpose of Timothy. But I think right here he's not giving instruction as much as still trying to open some ears and change some viewpoints for what he's going on. Yeah, on and he's calling, I mean, he's calling them to task, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's 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 saying you're 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 priding yourself in the wrong things because you're mm-hmm. doing something outwardly, but you're, he know he's I think he's getting at the fact that I know your heart. Yeah, 
And, God, and if I can know your heart, mm-hmm. I, you know God knows your heart. You're not fooling anyone. Yeah. You're preaching and railing not to steal and this and that. You know, because here's, here's, here's how I would stretch this even. Um, and the, this could be a way wrong way to go about it, but. You know, let's let's take an example of uh, okay. Now I'm going to get real. I'm probably going to get into the weeds here, but weed it up. You know, uh, let's take let's take an issue like um, well, okay, let's just take stealing. All right, yeah, it's wrong to steal, but are we also creating an environment so that it's not necessary to steal? Mm-hmm. I mean, what are we doing as Christians in our world to alleviate poverty, mm-hmm. to alleviate? Um, people going hungry to make it so that there's not a reason to steal. Yeah. Because people forget there's a reason why people are stealing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and sometimes they're just kleptos. I mean, sometimes people just steal because they steal, mm-hmm. but more often than not, they need something. Yeah. And, and, and that happens a lot. And so it's like, yes, stealing is wrong, but what are we doing about it as Christians? And if we're not doing anything about it, then we who say stealing is wrong, are we not stealing? Like, is it uh, from uh, Les Mis, Jean Valjean, like stealing a crust of bread to feed exactly. a person? Yeah, yeah. Or like the pearl, uh, to pull the dog. You remember them? Oh, yeah. First line in that song. Uh, <laughs> I don't mind stealing bread from the mouth of decadence. You know? Mm-hmm. I mean, but uh, yeah. So what are we doing about it? You know, if we say, if we say that, you know, um, we are against... I don't know, pick something, <laughs> you know, murder. murder yeah. yeah you know, if we're against murder, but then are we doing things that cause people's deaths? You mm-hmm. know, are we, are we walking by and letting somebody starve to death? Are we, are we a part of, you know, dropping death bombs on other people in other countries? I mean, what, what are we doing about it? Mm-hmm. It's one thing to say thou shalt not murder, but are we complicit in other people's murders? Well, that's another thing that came to mind here, because, yeah, he's definitely trying to point out hypocrisy, but he's speaking to these people specifically within the Roman church, and he's saying these sins are these transgressions very specifically. I don't think he's just using stealing as a what if. Right. I feel like he used it because he was aware there was some kind of theft going on. He used adultery specifically because it was probably something that was very specifically happening at the time, he used um, robbing temples as an example. I don't mm-hmm. think Paul pulled that out of his backside. I believe he used those specific examples as something that was actually happening, or he wouldn't have written it if it didn't apply to the people it was going to. Right, and then he goes on because of that to to blame them, saying this is why God's name's blasphemed mm-hmm. among the Gentiles. That's why, and, and of course, the Gentiles another name for pagans or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, people that weren't God followers, right? And, and uh, you know, in reading history, I've read some stuff. And, yeah, it was it was like because it looked hypo- it, it was hypocritical, mm-hmm. you know, to say you're, you know, there were early Christians that would get themselves worked up into a frenzy and go after pagans, you know. And it's like, well, wait, I thought murder was wrong. Oh, but it's OK if you're going after a pagan. Yeah. No, it's wrong. Oh, yeah. It's still okay. wrong. Yeah. You said and, it with such confidence. I thought it was all right for a second. I was like, yeah, yeah I get the course. pagans. Yeah, I get them right. Well, that's what a lot of there mm-hmm. were early Christians that did that. I mean, our church, the church has has some stains, you know, and we did some stuff like that. Or not all, not all of them. There were plenty of Christians. Obviously, that were saying no. This is not. You're 
no, that's not right. That's not okay to do that. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I think Paul's calling them out. And, and when we act like that as Christians today, you know, when we're making our mighty stands for, for marriage, you know, <laughs> but have a divorce rate the same as, uh-huh. you know, everybody else. Or, we or, or one of our like millions of different marches that we do for a bunch of different causes yeah. that, yeah. cause yeah, right here, God, we're, we're, is- we're, 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 we're preaching the pro-life. Until the baby's born, then no welfare for you. And, yeah, then and that kid's a piece yeah, of crap. Yeah, you're on your own, and yeah. let's go ahead and kill everybody on death row. Yep. That's why God's <laughs> it's name It's not was... a consistent position, you know? But it's that's the beauty of this. This is where we're picking up something that we can really use today. Sometimes we say it's all contextual, and like we have to remember why it was being written at the time. But this is exactly happening right. today still. So this is incredibly relevant it's incredibly Mm relevant because it's hurting our witness it's hurting that when people see us being hypocrites and it's that blatant hypocrite i like to think that if i was talking to someone who wasn't a believer they would appreciate much more me being open and honest with my sins and problems in my life than me trying to church everything up and say no i I can't do any of these and, things. You know, I normally try to not put my own political positions out there or anything Don't like you that. Dare, John. But I will say on this one. So uh, I do. I do have a, a pro-life stance personally. Yeah. Right. I'm. I'm personally pro-life, um, but I'm pro all of life. Mm-hmm. Right. And to me, I want to have a consistent position. I feel like that's what Paul's saying. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm also, I'm all. Not only am I pro-life for the unborn child. But when the child's born, what am I doing as a Christian, as a person in society to make sure that child's cared for? Because it, I think it takes a village. Yeah. And then what about the death penalty? It's terrible what this person's done. But I don't think you ever just, I don't think you just endorse death. No. I just, you know what? I just not for it. And, uh, you know, what about the military, industrial military complex? Yeah, we need to bring that in a little bit because I just don't think dropping death bombs on everybody is the way to go. I'm not, I'm not pro-war. I'm not, so I try to, I'm trying to have a consistent position in this, Mm -hmm. you know? Isn't it weird that the two of us having equal stances on life across the board, not just from one, but that that's a radical stance. It's a radical stance. Take that seems so weird. I mean, right. Because so many of the. Some would say I'm leftist, and others would say I'm uh, conservative, mm-hmm. and I'm I just agree with the Bible. And I'm just you know I Shakespeare just, a pox on both yeah, our houses. Yeah. I don't think you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you know, one thing that I've always said is, yeah, the hardest person to share God with is someone who's dead. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. you want people in prison to come to know God and have a turnaround, and we believe that there's hope for someone yeah. on death row, no matter what their sins may have been. If we preach that there's hope for them, then we also can't say, well, let's uh, kill them as quickly as possible without right. the opportunity. I, I I really doubt that having a pastor say a few verses of scripture right before you get a lethal injection is really going to be that life-changing moment yeah. right beforehand. Well, and then my big one's always been the, because I, I believe in, you know, um, saving the lives of unborn children, you know, but it's like, it's like the children are born and then there's this, the same group that's the loudest that's for them are the same ones that like, don't want to help these single mothers out mm-hmm. at all. <laughs> I'm like, I don't get that. <laughs> it's like, wait, you're just 
creating the, a worse situation. You know, mm-hmm. it's like no, we as Christians need to be like for all of it. You know, like we tell them you got to have this baby, and then they haven't. We say, well, you made the decision. Go yeah, ahead and do be it. Responsible. Like, it's like that's stupid. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just such a. I don't. It's not logical. I, I think God wants us to be loving people. And to, to, you know, so going back to Paul, you know, it's like, don't just preach this faith. Don't just preach these laws. Don't just preach this thing that God is love and this and that. You know, live it. Live yeah. it out. Actually be an example of what it looks like, what God's love looks like. That's the biggest hypocrisy. It's not the stealing or the adultery, although, yes, those are obvious signs of hypocrisy. But it's saying you believe in something based on love and not showing love. Yeah. I think that just covers all of it. Because if you're stealing from someone, you're not showing love for them. If we are being adulterous as men, which isn't just like, you know, sleeping around when you're with someone else. It's looking at any woman or treating them with lust, not the way. That's not showing love for them. If you're stealing from the church, you're not showing love for, I mean, it all comes down to that hypocrisy of yes. saying I'm all about love, but I but not I'm not going to do it myself for a yeah. second. Yeah. yeah, I'm all about I'm all about you know missionaries going over here, but I'm not going. No, or I'm not going to help with the money. You know, it's like uh-huh. oh, it just comes out of nowhere. You know, um, yeah, yeah. I think we beat that dead horse. Um, <laughs> I always want to admit nay, but nay. I've done it so many times, and I think it's lost its. To our longtime listeners, how many times have we said beat the dead horse and I've made the nay sound? Nay. Go back to all of our old ones and count. That's nah, your... this time. Nay. That's a goat. That sounds bad. That's like a Jim Brewer from Saturday Night Live goat. <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> you know, you're not supposed to be watching that. We have a contract. So God's name is blasphemy among the Gentiles because of you. Do you mind if I go on to 25? Go do we for have it. any more? Yeah, I think we got some. Oh, do we have time? We got a little bit more. Yeah. Oh, man, we're going to push it, though. All right. Circumcision has value. This is verse 25. Circumcision has value if you observe the law, but if you break the law... You have become as though you have not been circumcised. So then, if those who are not circumcised keep up with the law's requirements, they will not be regarded as though they were circumcised. Man, Paul and wait, his wait, 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 wait. circles of circumcision. No, it says, did you, let me make sure. We did I that read right. that backwards? Um, it says, if you break the law, you have become as though you had not been circumcised. So then, if those of you who are not circumcised keep the law's requirements, Will they not be regarded as though they were circumcised? I'm just saying that goes back to my point. Mm-hmm. If people are responding to the light that God's given them, he's counting that. Just like Abraham, his faith was counted as righteousness. And I think the, there's people in the world, maybe they haven't heard of Jesus, but if they're responding to the light of God that God's giving them, their faith will be counted as righteousness. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I know that sounds Rob Belly, but I don't think it is. I can because I think there's still a place. There, I think there's still a hell, and I still think that people go there. Mm-hmm. But I think people choose to go to hell because they don't want God. Rejecting. Completely. I don't think anybody's going to hell because because gosh, I just didn't know and dumb luck, and now I'm in hell. You know, Goofy's in hell. Yeah, <laughs> gosh, Mickey. All I can think of is that sometimes Paul. And only in Romans do I see it, like the part where I do what I don't want to do, but I can't stop. Sometimes he talks himself into circles 
and I just want to edit Paul. Like, I know not edit the Bible, yeah. you know, anyone takes a word out from Revelation. <laughs> but sometimes he makes it unnecessarily confusing. Circular. Yeah. Circular, like a circumcision. Well, but I think some of that is, too, maybe because his mind's spinning in a thousand different ways. It's because gotta be. He was a little he was, ADD. Yeah, well, I and mean, he was, you know, a pretty devout, strict Jew mm-hmm. who suddenly had the gospel revealed to him. Mm-hmm. And, like, you can imagine all these dots that are suddenly connecting for him. Mm-hmm. All the scripture that he knew. And it's just like all of a sudden all this stuff's like making sense for the first time. I want to fix this though. Circumcision has value if you observe the law. But I just want it to be, you can't you can't follow the law perfectly. So circumcision has no value. I mean, essentially that's what he's getting to is, yeah, if you want to follow and be under the law, circumcision has value. But we're beyond the law now. Jesus is coming, gone, new covenant. You aren't going to follow the law perfectly. So just circumcision has no value right because in the other the because what he's going to go on to to do here and this is where we started is he's going to say that um jews you know these these were jews that were priding themselves on their circumcision and that they had the law and paul's making the point like your circumcision your outward circumcision and your Jewishness, your ethnic Jewishness, is not of any value to you now. Mm-hmm. Because that's not the covenant. God's yeah. That covenant's done. There's a new covenant. I want to just Brand like... new covenant. And he's going to go and say this. And he's going he's gonna to explicitly say it. Because there are pastors out there that teach that the church is one thing over here that God works with. But God's still got some sort of deal working with... Israel and, a whole separate, and it's a whole separate thing. And Paul is, ex- I don't even know how you could read this scripture and think that it doesn't mean what it means. But can I just, did you have some more to say? Because no, that's it. And I, re- I, we talked beforehand that that was a point we wanted to get to and we never quite got to it. Yeah. It says, it says, I'll just jump to 28 here. Mm-hmm. It says a person is not a Jew who is one only outwardly, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the spirit, not by the written code. Such a person's praise is not from other people, but from God. So it is something that happens internally, and that is... So, you know, you said earlier, I'm not a Jew or, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, mm, actually you are. According to Paul, you're a Jew if you profess Christ. There's no name for what I am. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. And I'd love to hear from our audience if any if any disagree with that mm-hmm. assessment. Um, I think the, a lot of Romans is like this and Galatians as well. What you're saying is 100% right. It's just as we read through these ancient books, we still want to try and take these different divisions and try to apply them too much into modern times True, because Jew then was someone who was following the way who was following the one true God who was at that point, the Israelites God. So that's the way they had to write it to make it sense to then say, okay, you're all Jews then, but now for us today to try and use that lingo. So you're right. But to try and say that in today's, context makes no sense uh, just because 
it would something make, so totally yeah. different and so specific to the Jewish religion or to some people who have like really direct ancestry to. So yeah, so if we wanted to like like what you're saying, then if we wanted to like modernize it or update it, yeah, we could we could go so far as to say, hey, you say you're a Christian because you've had baptism, mm. but I tell you, you know, it's not outward baptism that makes you a Christian, mm. but it's the baptism of the heart. It's not the act; it's what the Holy Spirit. It's doing what the in Holy you. Spirit's yeah. doing in you, and the and the and the changed. Because baptism is circumcision. It's yeah. the it's the form. It's Christianity's circumcision. You listening from heaven, Paul? We fixed it for you. We got it. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. That'll be for our greens and grace translation of the Bible we joked about once. <laughs> yeah, that'll be terrible. Yeah, I don't think that'll pass the. Uh... That won't pass muster. Nope. But um, we're getting pretty close, so. We'll close now. As we get into our future endeavors, we've decided that maybe trying to stick to 40 minutes or roundabout is better for yep. our purposes. Yeah. So, um, man, we're excited. So I want to give you a layout and the audience a layout for yes. the future at the same time. Yeah. Um, this one's going to come out after I'm going to do a compilation of all of our beer reviews for next week. Perfect. I've been wanting to do it for a while. Yeah, so other things. we're going to have some beer review. And then close out our final traditional. We'll still be broadcasting all of our broadcasting, doing all <laughs> hey, of our uh, podcasts. Walter Cronkite called. So if you like <laughs> this format, the way you're listening to it, we're going to always have it uploaded same time, Fridays around noon. Yeah. But we're going to be adding the we're gonna, YouTube content, which will be the same thing, but you get to see our pretty faces. And we're going to have the ability... To have more content involved with that. Yeah. Um, we're going to be, you talked about, we're going to have some separate YouTube things that we're going to be putting out. Mm. We're going to be able to interview, bring people into the, the podcast. And uh, so there'll be less where we're here together, but we're going to be still doing our beers. Yep. Still trying the beers. Still, We can actually show you the cans instead of yes. uh, whenever we're talking yeah. about it. But that's why I think, um, give us two weeks one week will be a best of, you know, when all the old sitcom shows used to just have one episode that was just rehashing old stuff. Yeah. That'll be next week. Then we round out Romans, and then we start off fresh since we're at the end of two with our YouTube with either a new chapter of Romans or a whole new topic. So it's like a, we're... It's all together. It's all together. <laughs> it's neat, tidy package. Well, until then, this has been the Grains and Grace podcast. That's John. And that's Ryan. That was kind of nice, though, we did that back then. Huh. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs>